Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Talked about last time we were in this study, encourage you. The first point we looked at was our faithfulness and faithful witness encourages even the strongest of Christians. Uh, Paul was encouraged by the faithfulness and the faithful witness of the Thessalonian believers. They were brand new Christians. They had been persecuted in their early, early in their faith. And Paul was encouraged at the report that he got back from Timothy. But the second thing that we saw was this, that our thanks to God for others' faithfulness. So if someone's uh, uh, faithful to God, if they're living out a faithful witness, and that's an encouragement to you, it should be made known to God, and it should be made known to that person. Um, again, Paul told the Thessalonian believers that he was thanking God all the time, night and day, for their faithfulness to God. And again, so again, he was telling God, thank you, and he was also telling them as he was telling them that he was telling God, thank you, thank you for being faithful. It was an encouragement. So this week, we're going to move forward in our study and, and see another couple of points, very, uh, I think, encouraging, very important for us to see. If, hopefully you got notes. If you didn't get notes, you can uh, maybe talk to some of, one of those guys in the back, and they can get you some. But let's pray, and we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the strength and the encouragement that you give us in your word. I know uh, just as that song was being sung tonight, Lord, uh, sometimes our, our timing doesn't match up with your timing. We know your timing is right. And even though we have to go through heartaches and struggles and, and trials in our lives, even when we're doing seemingly everything right, Lord, we know that you're, you're perfect in all your ways, and your timing is perfect as well. And so, Lord, help us uh, to continue to lean on you and to trust you, to make you our confidence, you our reliance every day. Uh, Lord, no matter what we're facing, no matter what fear, struggle, uh, hurt, heartache, uh, difficulty, no matter what, Lord, help us to, to make you that. Lord, help us to also understand, as we'll see tonight in your word, the importance of our togetherness, to be, being together as a body, being connected not just assembling together, but truly being together in, in every sense of the word. And so, Lord, we ask you to move now. Excuse me as a vessel. I pray your word is preached and, and this message is uh, declared and that you're glorified and your will is accomplished. We'll praise you for all this, God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 3. How many people are tired tonight? A couple people. Let's do some jumping jacks. Y'all ready? Yeah. No. Um... It's, it's always interesting on Wednesday nights because uh, I come in feeling like that. You know, it's been a long day. I've been sitting at a computer most of the day and uh, studying and praying and, and um, coming here. And it's, you're just kind of tired. And then I come in here and I see y'all's faces. And, and you're going <laughs> to... Uh, so maybe do, we could do some jumping jacks or sit-ups or push-ups or whatever, whatever you want to do. But we could... We could do that, <laughs> whatever you want to do. I want to sit here. I don't want to do nothing to that like that. But anyways, First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. It says, now, now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct, you our, direct our way unto you. Now again, I just want to stop there and remind us that the Thessalonians, that said a while ago, had come to faith under persecution, and they began to grow even in their faith under persecution, great persecution. And Paul did receive word back from Timothy that they were doing great. They were, they were flourishing. They were faithful. They were great witnesses. All these things came back to them. Um, but Paul, as a concerned spiritual father, 
was not only encouraged by this word, but he also wanted a little bit more. He desired to go to be with them as well, to love on them, to encourage them, similar to what Timothy did. And it wasn't that Timothy did a bad job or what Timothy did wasn't sufficient enough uh, because he came back and it was everything Paul needed to hear, but, it, but, but there was still something Paul desired. Paul desired to go and to be with them as well. This revealed something very encouraging, I think, for us today to take from what Paul was saying. Again, Timothy was qualified. Timothy did a great job. Paul got the encouragement that he needed in his ear. It comforted him in his, in his spirit. All those things happened, but Paul still felt like he needed to go to be with these believers. He needed to go and, and, and gather, be together with them. And so point number one tonight is togetherness is essential to, but it's also a sign of healthy relationships. Togetherness is essential to and a sign of healthy relationships. Uh, it, it's, it's, never a, a, it's never healthy for any relationship if, if you're apart all the time. And it's not only not going to help the relationship, but it's also a sign of not a healthy relationship. If you never want to be around somebody, if you struggle being with somebody, that's not healthy. It's not a healthy relationship. And so when Paul says, look, I, I, I want to be there, he had heard how they were. He was encouraged at their faith. He was moved by the love that they had demonstrated. But all of this was from afar. All of this had come to him by word. And so again, he desired to be with them because he did have a healthy relationship with them. He had a good, spiritual, healthy relationship with them. And in a healthy relationship, the truth is this. Time apart only kindles the desire to be together. Uh, when I'm away from home, I can't wait to get back home and see Rochelle and the girls. I, I, you know, there's, there's times that apart, whether it's ministry. Last week was apart at, at junior camp. And, um, and it, was, it was good to be with the kids. It was good to be with the counselors. But I, I couldn't wait to, to talk to Rochelle. I and mean, I got to, you know, see the girls. Uh, but I, I couldn't wait to talk to Rochelle. And when I got home, I couldn't wait to see her. And so it's, it, it's, it's always uh, something that should kindle when you're apart. So, in other words, whenever you're apart, you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel better. When you're, when you're apart, it should kindle the desire to be back together again in a healthy relationship and you know the the old saying is uh i don't know what the old saying is because it just slipped my mind absence makes the heart grow, grow fonder that's what the old saying is um but that's that's what is uh, so true in a healthy relationship but the same is true not only for rochelle and my girls but when i'm out of town and like happened last week away at junior camp and i missed a wednesday night service here I can't wait to get back to be with you all. That's just the truth. I'm, I'm not trying to sound spiritual or, or anything like that. I'm just sharing my heart. That's the way it is. When I am out of town and I have to miss a, a worship service, I can't wait to get back to the next worship service. I can't wait to get back together with you guys to see y'all's faces, to hug your necks, to talk, to be worshiping God together, to be around his word. I, I just can't wait to do that because we have a special relationship. And, and whether you or I see it very special, or as special as we should, the truth is it's extremely special. 
We're connected by the blood of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what's connecting us. The, the all-powerful blood of Jesus Christ that can wash away, just one drop of blood can wash away every single one of our sins, past, present, or future. That blood connects every single one of us. Not only that, the omnipotent, the all-powerful, and the ever-present presence of the Holy Spirit, God's very Spirit, inside of us. That's extremely special. And th so this means that the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ is the pinnacle of all human relationships. We know that the pinnacle of all social relationships is the marriage relationship. That's what God instituted from the very beginning. He said, let it be male and female. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. So that is the pinnacle of social relationships. The very first one God instituted, marriage. So it's extra special whenever the husband and wife both are saved. Not only are they in the most intimate and special relationship socially, but they're in the, also connected by the most important or the pinnacle of all human relationships through the blood of Christ. A.T. Pearson said this, To a true child of God, the invisible bond that unites all believers to Christ is far more tender, and listen to these words, and lasting and precious. And as we come to recognize and realize that we are all dwelling in one sphere of life in Him, we learn to look on every believer as our brother or sister. In a sense, that is infinitely higher than all human relationships. This is the one and only way to bring disciples permanently together. All other plans for promoting unity of the church have failed. See, it's when you and I, as we talk about being together, we're gathered together tonight. But you can be here and not together with the body. There's a, there's a difference of being just here and being together. But once we understand what connects us and what unites us, what brings us together, the fact that our life is hid in, in God and through Christ, that we are together in a permanent relationship. So there unfortunately are marriage relationships that are in the most important social relationship. There are marriage relationships that there is one saved and one not saved. And at some point in time, their relationship will end. For all of eternity. And so while it's essential and vital and God has blessed marriage and God has instituted marriage, we see the relationship inside the church. And it is, it is absolutely, it should be absolutely special and precious. Because this is an eternal relationship that you and I have. And so when, when we miss a service, whether you're sick or you're out of town or you got to work or something and you have to miss a service... There should be something in you that says, man, I can't wait to get back to that body of believers that I'm connected with. I can't wait to get back and, and, and be, sur be surrounded by fellow brothers and sisters that we are going to be together forever with. And I can't wait to exalt our God. I can't wait. I miss this. And so that's why Paul spoke with such deep affection and such deep longing to be with these Thessalonian believers. He knew, hey, they're doing good. They're being persecuted, though. I mean, they're struggling. Paul knew that, that, that they were encouraged in their faith, even in spite of, the, the, uh, despite of the, the persecution. Paul knew all those things, but there was still a desire for him to be together with them. 
Not only that, but the fact that he was in right fellowship with the Father helped this along as well. See, when we don't have this deep connection with fellow believers, and you say, you know what, I, I don't have that longing to be at church if I miss church. I don't have that longing to be together with the body of Christ if I miss church, if I miss the, the church worship service. I, I want to say this. The problem's not the church. The problem's not, well, it's, it's, it's not God's way. The way that God has designed things, that's not the problem. The problem is not God's plan. The problem's not God's stuff. The problem is not the church gathering or the church gathering times. The, the, plan, the, the mission of God, outreach, missions, fellowship, discipleship, those aren't the problems. Those are all things of God. That's not the problem. When we don't desire to be gathered together with the body of Christ, the problem is not those things. The problem is our heart. That's the truth. When, when I don't want to be gathered together with the saints of God, it's my heart problem. And I'm not saying that I, I'm perfect as a pastor, that we are perfect as a church. I'm not saying any of those things, but these are God's things, and we are God's people. And so there's going to be flaws, there's going to be sins, there's going to be shortcomings, there's going to be all those things, but there's all those things in every single relationship that we have. But it's the blood of Christ, it's the, it's the, the, the institution of God, the church, it's those things that, that when we are in right fellowship with God, we desire those things. Our, our hearts long for those things, the things of God. When we walk in the Spirit, we have fellowship with God in the Spirit, then we can have fellowship one with another. It's when our hearts are right that this, this happens. And when this is the case, when, 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 when we don't want to be around the church, when we don't want to be around other believers, we don't want to be involved in worshiping God together with the body, the body of Christ, when that's the case and our heart is not right, when our heart is the problem, when this is the case, listen, we grieve the very God who purchased our soul with the precious blood of his only son. That's what we do. We grieve him. When our heart's not right and we don't desire to be apart together with him, his body. Let, let's not separate this, okay? Listen, the Bible says that the church is the body. The body. He is the head. Jesus Christ. So picture it literally in your mind. Jesus Christ is the head and you and I are the body. We are the body. And when, one, when, when, when a part of the body doesn't want to be connected to the rest of the body, what does it mean it's not connected to? The head. It, it doesn't want to be connected. No, I want to be connected to Christ just because I don't want to be around other believers doesn't mean I, I don't want to be connected to Christ. Yes, you can't separate the body of Christ from the head, Christ. You can't do that. And so when we don't have this desire to be connected with the body of Christ, to be together, just as Paul desired to be together with these Thessalonian believers, in our hearts the problem we grieve the very Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Listen to this. For we are members one of another. We're members one of another. We're together. We're members together in one body. And so he goes on and says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole still no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have 
to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. And so let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you, be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. It's talking about this, this relationship that we're to have with all believers. This, this connection, this togetherness that we're supposed to have. And we're not supposed to allow any sin, any indifference, any anger, any bitterness, any fighting, anything to keep us from having a right relationship with each other, therefore a right relationship with God. And so when we don't do those things and we act in bitterness or we have anger or we have resentment or we have these things that keep us disconnected, not necessarily not sitting in a seat, I'm talking about disconnected in spirit and heart in, in, in a spiritual realm. We have these things that keep us disconnected from each other. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God, the Bible says. And it says it's a command to not do that. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let all these things be put away from you and be kind to each other, tenderhearted, love each other, treat each other like you're members one of another, that you're a member together in the body of Christ. Typically, when that connection with other believers isn't there and we don't desire to be together, and I'm talking to a Wednesday night crowd, but it still could apply to you. When that desire to be together isn't there, Again, our heart is the issue, not God's stuff, not his plan. As I said, it's revealing that we're not in right fellowship with the Father. See, he's the good shepherd, the Bible says, and we are the sheep of his pasture. We are together the sheep of his pasture. And when we're not together, when we don't want to be together as the sheep, as the flock of God, when we don't desire to be what God has designed us to be, something is wrong. And, and Spurgeon said this about this. Listen to what he says. Some Christians try to go to heaven alone in solitude. And, and there's a lot of people that would be just fine with that. I just let me have my relationship with Christ the way I want to have it. Don't, don't, I don't have, have all these things with the church. I just want to walk with God and do that. But that's not what Jesus set up. That's not what the Lord set up when he walked on this earth. He set up a body. He set up a, a, his people. We are, again, his sheep. We are his flock. He says some people try to go alone, heaven alone in solitude, but believers are not compared to bears or lions or other animals that wander alone. Those who belong to Christ are sheep in this respect that they love to get together. Sheep go in flocks, and so do God's people. So do God's people. And so it should never be a, 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 a burden for us to gather for any reason to give glory to God. Again, that's, that's what we're about. That's, what we're that's, the, that's our design. That's what God set up. And again, if he lives inside of us and we are his people, that's the way he wants it to be. So whenever there's something inside you that says, I don't want to do that, whether it's church service or whether it's uh, something else, gathering the body's doing something, when, when there's something in that, we have to understand that is either sin, that's our flesh, that's something that has come in and that has pulled us away from the very nature of what God has designed us to be as a, as a flock together. That's why it's so, it's so, it makes so much sense when we see in the first church in Acts that they were together daily. 
These people were following Jesus on a daily basis, literally, physically, following Jesus Christ. They were watching him and listening to him and talking with each other and, and, and seeing him perform miracles. And they were talking and all this stuff, and they were together. They were living life together. And I'm not trying to suppose some type of, you know, weird convent or, or, or uh, David Koresh stuff. I'm not saying any of that. I'm talking about us having this, this heart like Paul had to want to be together. And when that's not there, for us to recognize something's wrong in my heart. Something's wrong in my heart because what God has set up isn't wrong. God's ways aren't wrong. God's word's not wrong. His, again, his church, the, again, his design, his, none of that's wrong because it's all of God. Yes, there are flawed people. Yes, there are people that fall short. Yes, all those things I already said. But if I don't desire to be connected with the body, that's in my heart. And that's where we've got to get to the place where we realize if that's where I'm at, I need to change. Something needs to change. So I want to encourage you and maybe challenge you tonight. You're here. But is it because you desire to be here? Again, Wednesday night crowd, and you say, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night, on a hot night after a long day, if I didn't desire to be here, but maybe you are. Maybe you came out of obligation. Maybe you came out of fear or worry that someone would say something to you if you weren't here. Are you here because you sincerely desire it? Out of love for God, out of love for his people, the flock that you're a part of, is that why you're here? See, our togetherness is essential to our health. Corrie ten Boom said this, she said, Be united with other Christians. A wall with loose bricks is not good. The bricks must be cemented together. Did you hear that? A wall with, with loose bricks is no good. It's not a good wall. They, they've, they've got to be cemented together. We've got to be connected. We've got to be together. D.A. Carson went on to say this, What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common uh, accents, common jobs, or anything else of that sort. Christians come together because they have all been loved by Jesus himself. They are a band of natural enemies who, who love one another for Jesus' sake. Natural enemies. So tonight, know this. When you start to feel disconnected, or not feeling the desire to connect with the body, whether it's in a worship service or in, in a fellowship that we have, if, if that starts to creep in, know that right at that moment, something's off in your heart. Something's off. And the sooner that you can get your heart back on right track, the better. You know why? Here's why. Because the enemy will see that slight separation of you from the flock of God. And he'll begin to stalk your life like a roaring lion stalks its prey. That's what happens. We've seen it time and time again. And people begin to pull back, they begin to step aside, they begin to step back, they begin to, uh, to, to disconnect from the body of Christ, they begin to do those things, and the enemy is like, that's exactly right. You've got more important things. You've got other stuff. You've, you, you, you're not, you not have anything common with those people. You don't, you're not really close to anybody. 
He begins to throw all that stuff at you. He begins to throw it all on your plate. And all of a sudden, you start, you start pulling back and saying, yeah, I don't really feel like I'm a part of anything anymore. You need to go back and look at your heart. Because maybe you've allowed sin to creep in. Maybe, you, maybe you've allowed something else to come in and set you, and, and Satan's got his target on you. So if you're there, don't pray tonight. God, here's where I'm at. I feel disconnected from the church. Change the pastor. <laughs> I believe he could do that. I mean, it, boom, it could happen. I mean, he did it to Ananias Sapphire. He did it to uh, Saul. He did it to all, all kinds of people. He still does it today. When God wants to remove people who are in, in, in leadership, he does it. I mean, nothing is going to, no person and no thing is going to hold God back. So don't pray that. Pray for me. <laughs> if that's where you're at tonight, don't pray, God, change the church. Change the church. I don't like the way it is. Don't say, God, change this or that, change that, change this. If you're there tonight, pray, change my heart, oh God. Change my heart. Look on in our text when we move forward. It says, verse 12, the Lord make you to increase. Again, Paul talking to these Thessalonian believers and abound in love. Look what he says. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do, do towards you. Our love is increasing towards you. Your love needs to increase for each other. Your love needs to increase towards all men. To the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Point number two tonight is this. Abounding love towards all men. And I would say this, as Paul, as Paul just wrote, especially believers, is essential for living above reproach. Every single Christian is called to live above reproach in this world. When the world looks at us, when the lost looks at us, when sinners look at us, they are to look at our lives and not see what they saw in the Pharisees, hypocrites. Now we fall short, we mess up, but we're not living in blatant hypocrisy, or we're not supposed to. We're to be living sincere lives, as the Bible says. And sincere lives are, are, are one of the, the great attributes of this is being driven by love. Paul's saying, I want your love to increase towards each other. I want your love to increase towards all men so that you can live a blameless life. Because if your love isn't, isn't there and your love isn't increasing for other people, it's not increasing for God, it's not increasing for other people, then you're not going to be able to live a life that's blameless in front of men and holy before God, you can't do it if love is not increasing. Love is the key to our lives. The great commandment's very clear. Love the Lord your God, uh, Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love him with everything that you have. And then the second, he says, the, 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 the greatest commandment is that. The second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And on those two hang all the law and prophets. That's fulfilling. God says, look, Love, 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 love is to be the key to your life. Our church identity statement is this, a praying church with a passion for God and a passion for people. Why? God so impressed my heart because we, we are to be praying, we're to be identified with people who call upon God's name at all times. Pray without ceasing. You have not because you ask not. So we, we pray, we pray regularly, we pray early on Sundays, we pray uh, before we do anything. We, we are a praying church, but we are also defined by our love. As the people of God, we are to have a passion for him and a passion for other people. 
a love, a sincere love. The key is love. 1 John chapter 4 says this, Beloved, let us love one another. Beloved, he's talking to Christians. Let us love one another. Because love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knoweth God. But he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That was love. The love of God was shown to us by his sending his son. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins, the atonement, the satisfaction of God's wrath upon sin. Jesus was sent to be that payment, that propitiation of our sins. And so verse 11, we'll love it. If God so loved us, if God loved us like that, that while we were sinners, he sent his son to die for us. That's how God demonstrated his love. That's how God loves us. If that's how he so loved us, then we ought also to love one another. No man's seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us his spirit. And then look down in verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. But if a man say that he loved God and he hates his brother or he loves his brother less than he should, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother who he has seen, how can he love God who's not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love, love his brother also. And it goes on in chapter 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone that loveth him, that begat, loveth him also, that is begotten of him. Listen, you know what he just said? Whoever loves God, who, who, who begets us, loves also, loves him also, that's begotten of God. If you love the begetter, then you love the begotten. That's what he's saying. If you say you love God, and you truly love God, then you love the believers. You love the brethren. You love the beloved. You love those who are begotten of God. If you love him, you love the, the children of God. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. It's the evidence. That's, how, that, that's the evidence. When this is how we know we love the children of God. We love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God. Here is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. See, when you love God, when you love something, when you love someone, it's not hard to do, right? It's not. I've talked about this many times before. I'm going to talk about it again. When, when, when Rochelle and I were dating, when we were engaged, I was head over heels in love with her. And we would talk to all hours. We would just to talk, to talk, and, and because there was love. It wasn't grievous because there was love. When we love, to do is not grievous. And that's what he's saying. He's saying if you love God, you'll keep his commands because, because you love him. Not because it's an obligation, not because you have to, oh, I have to do this and I have to do that. God commanded this and commanded that. No, no, no. If you love him, you say, I get to do this. I get to do that. For my God, who I love, who first loved me and sent his son to be the payment of my sins, I love God. He first loved me. And, and I get to love not only God, but I get to love his, his people, those who are begotten of God. 
And what happens many times when our hearts go astray is this. We begin to feel that everything applies to someone else other than us. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you're there tonight. Maybe you've never been there before. But when your heart goes astray, when you start feeling disconnected, when you're not right with God, you're not right in fellowship with God, what happens when the Word of God is preached, or you hear the Word of God, or you read it yourself, is you begin to think about how someone else needs to apply this to their life. Versus saying, how does this apply to my life? Maybe you thought about someone when we were talking about love. That person needs to love more. That person needs to love better. Maybe you thought about the church in general. The church needs to love better. I would agree with that. I mean, I think that we all need to love better. I think I need to love better. But what about your love? You thought about maybe somebody else, but what about your love? Maybe, maybe you thought, well, I think my love's just fine. Is it? The Bible talks, talks about us being perfected in love. Every single one of us, as the children of God, begotten of God, lovers of God, beloved of God, supposed to be loving each other, every single one of us should strive to be perfected in love, matured in love, completed in love. Our, our lives should be lived like that. Again, and that's shown by and expressed in our togetherness. Again, not just physically together. Yes, physically together has to, has to happen. Again, that's the whole thing about Paul was talking about. Like, I want to be with you, but here's what I'm desiring of you, that your love for each other increases, for all men it increases, so you can live a life that's blameless and holy before God. We must all strive to abound in our love for each other. What does that mean? That means this, every single person in this room should strive to be growing in your love for every single person in this room, every member of this church. Every single one of us should strive to love each other more, to love each other better. And that's the challenge that we face in this second point, the challenge that Paul gave to them, the charge he gave to them, the charge that, again, you and I face tonight. Are you, is your love increasing for the members of Trinity Baptist Temple? Not only that, is your love increasing for the lost? For all men, Paul said. For all men. For your coworker that gets on your nerves, or your boss that frustrates you. For that family member that just maybe gets on your nerves. To that, again, going back, maybe that church member that sets you sideways. Your love is to be increasing. The product, if our love does, will be a blameless life and holiness. So let me ask a couple questions. Do you love, do you love your family more than God? Do you love your family more than God? Do you love your blood family? more than the family that God purchased with his blood. And see, that's a, that's a sensitive subject because we're all taught and grown as by nature that you don't mess with my family. 
That's exactly what Jesus thought when he walked this earth. And that's exactly what he thinks now. You don't mess with my family. You know who his family is? Us. Why is it that we, we attach a, a, a more important tag to our blood family than we do the family of God that was purchased with the very precious blood of the only Son of God? Abraham was tested in this. Many of you know the story. God basically says, I gave you a son, a promised son in your old age. I gave him to you, your blood son. A son that I said that I was going to bless and, 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 and many, many nations you know, prosper through him. I gave you the son. Now, I want that blood son back. Did he trust God? So the test was this, do you trust me more and do you love me more than the blessings that I've given you, including your own blood family? So we don't, we don't like to talk about that because the family is essential. The family unit is so important. It is. The, all those things are very true. And we teach the family. We teach the importance of marriage. All those things, th these things don't negate any of that teaching or any of that truth. And similar to what we looked at in our study when Jesus said, unless a man hate his mother, father, sister, brother, spouse, yea, in his own life also, unless you love less. And so the question was this, do you love God more? Do you love God more? We should. Our love for God, Scripture says, is to re be revealed according to 1 John and, and other Scriptures. Is to be revealed in our keeping of his commands. Our love for God is not to be revealed in the trends of culture. It's not to be revealed in what other Christians are doing. But it's to be revealed in the keeping of his commands. It's not talking about a legalistic view. It's not talking about a, a legalistic lifestyle. It's talking about a, a loving lifestyle. It's talking about a love for God and a love for the things of God and the people of God that drives us through sincerity and through love because we are in love with God and we are loving each other to keep his commands. How, how can we love God and keep his commands if we aren't loving sincerely the people of God? We can't. That's the answer can't. A.B. Simpson said this, I want a love that cannot help but love. Loving like God for the very sake of love. Aren't things better in our life when we're loving and feeling loved? Things, things in our life are way better, right? Whenever, whenever you are in your house and, and you and your spouse are, are loving each other and, and everything is wonderful and there's not any bitterness or division, there's no frustration or argument, whenever it just feels like love in the house, things are way better. When it's at work, when everything seems to be going good and everybody seems to be getting along and loving each other, everything's wonderful, it's, it's more pleasant to be at work than whenever there's all this nipping and fighting and all this kind of stuff. It's always better with love. When we're begrudged or bitter, envious, and we're covetous, irritated or bothered or grumpy or we're disenchanted our lives can feel lousy but we got to remember we have love in us 
God's love if we are his. And so it's a matter of choice. That's what it comes down to as a close. And Brother Jim, you can make your way. We can either choose to rise above all of our other feelings. We can set them aside and we can rise up. We can, we can choose to rise above all of our circumstances that are trying to pull us down. And love or not. That's the choice. See, the Bible says that love prevails. It endures. When love prevails in our hearts and we choose to love, the truth is it helps us rise above our feelings. Not only that, it even helps us rise above the shortcomings of others. And Scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, above all things, listen, listen to that statement again, above all things, above everything, he says, have fervent charity among yourselves. You can have so many other things as the believers of, uh, in Jesus Christ, as the body of Christ. You could have all other things. He could have said, above everything else, have, I don't know, whatever. He could have said anything. But he said, everything else, he didn't just say have love to each other. He said, have fervent love, a, a passionate love. That's what he's saying. Love each other like you mean it. That's what he's saying. Above everything else, love each other as the people of God. And he goes on and says, because charity will cover a multitude of sins. You know what happens when you love people? Whenever they wrong you, it's a lot easier to forgive them. When you love somebody with a passionate love, whenever somebody falls short, whenever somebody doesn't meet your expectations or when somebody uh, doesn't, doesn't meet something of, of what you expect or you know, whatever, when you love them with a fervent love, love covers a multitude, not just one sin, a multitude of sins. And he goes and says, use hospitality to one another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And that's the key. We've all been given the grace of God. None of us deserve heaven. None of us deserve forgiveness. None of us deserve anything good. There's none good, no, not one. And we all deserve the punishment for all of our sins. Yet God in his amazing grace has poured out this amazing love for us and has welcomed us in to his family and made us his own and given us an eternal home. And every single one of us has the opportunity to not only love God, but to love each other with a fervent love because of God's manifold grace, his, his evident and obvious grace. That's, that's how we can love, and that's why we should love. So let's make sure that our love is abounding one towards another. And so I want to, again, challenge you tonight with these two things. Together. Not just here in attendance, but together in heart. Together. Togetherness. Having a healthy relationship because of our togetherness as a body. The body of Christ. And not only that, let's make sure that our love is increasing for each other. You may say a, a plain statement tonight. I love the members of Trinity Baptist Temple. I, I love them. But I'm challenging you according to God's word. God's word is challenging us. 
as Paul challenged the Thessalonians. Let's, let's pray tonight, let's make sure tonight that our love is increasing for each other, that it's growing for each other. And if you say, I, my love's not growing for, for the members of Trinity, then I, I encourage you to hit this altar, pray there where you're at, and say, pray that prayer. God, help me to grow in my love. Help me to care more when somebody's going through something. Help me to care more when somebody's not here. Help me to care more when, 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 when somebody's suffered loss. Help me to care more when, when, when the church is doing something. Help me to love more being together and, and, and doing those. God, help my love for, for the body of Christ to abound more and more. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this message tonight. Thank you for this letter that you inspired the Apostle Paul to write so many years ago to some believers that were doing great in their, in their, their young faith. The challenges and the encouragement, the charges that you gave to Paul to give to them still resonate in our lives today. And I pray that we would take them and they would apply, that we would apply them. Lord, we'd see the importance of being together. That we would see the, 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 the challenge and the charge that our love needs to increase for each other and for all men. So Lord, tonight I pray that you just do that work in our lives. Lord, if there's someone here tonight that's feeling disconnected, there's someone that's feeling distant from you, feeling distant from the body, I pray that they would come tonight and, and they would humble themselves before you. And they'd be willing, as so many, so many have before, maybe they even have before in their life, just humble themselves and say, God, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm the one that's off. Forgive me. Draw me close to you. Draw me close back to this body. Lord, just move tonight. We're working a great one. We'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.